Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Carl's Roller Coaster Podcast. So, are you, do, are you doing lots of work these days? Like production? Yes. Stuff? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm right now, I'm uh, going through one of the. Going through the Amsterdam gig. You were there. The second one. All right. So you are oh, you 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 editing the audio? Yeah, exactly. Very so. cool. That's awesome. And uh, what else do I do? I don't remember. <laughs> so do you get? Do you have all the tracks separate? Then you, yeah. Yeah. And then you get yeah. to mix it all and. So many tracks. There's also you know, recorded. Uh, like the communication mics between the stage and the, uh, so you hear all, all all that, you know, before the show, like 15 minutes before the show, like, what is this? And something in Dutch that no one understands. <laughs> it's probably a bit funny, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Stefan, my friend. Good to see you, man. How are you doing? Hey, Carl. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, man. All good. All yeah. good. Looking forward to getting back out there on the road. It's been a few months now, so it's starting yeah. to get a little bit itchy, you know? <laughs> I know, I know exactly how it feels. <laughs> Same how, here. How have you been since, because uh, you're like super busy last year with touring in the summer with, with Temptation and then uh, an American tour with Iron Maiden and then on the yeah. back of that uh, tour with Evanescence in Europe. So it was, yeah crazy busy but like i bet it was really amazing right oh yeah yeah it was great it's really it's really cool year i have to say trying to remember i'm still kind of you know noticing that i'm sorting the memories still because there's so much stuff still you know it's yeah so many memories so much to look back <laughs> also uh, just checking my phone, so, uh, you know, on the iPhone, uh, it likes to show you just randomly, like uh, three months ago or uh, half a year ago. Or like that. So then you get all this. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was there. <laughs> that was fun. I'm sure we're gonna talk about all of those because that's obviously, um, I believe, from all of those years of playing music and touring the world, must have been, uh, if not the biggest year or the highlight of the career definitely one of your career highlights right so we're yeah. definitely gonna dive into that but before yeah. we get into that yeah. uh let me just uh get to ask you a few basic questions starting from the beginning where were you born and how was your bringing and uh were you raised by your parents and where did you go to school just give us a little bit of stefan that people might not hear too much about it yeah, okay. I was born in, uh, there's uh, an island in the Baltic Sea called Gotland. It's the uh, biggest island of Sweden. So that's where I was born and raised. Um, I actually lived there until I was 35. And then I moved here to Stockholm. So so that's, uh, yeah, that's where I lived the biggest part of my life. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was brought up by my parents. No, they still they still live in the same house where I was brought up. So I, I go there as much as I can still. Actually, I just got home yesterday there. No, because it's great. Just go back there and, and you just, uh, there's no people anywhere near. It's just nature. And there's just, you know, it's just so many childhood memories in every square meters where you walk. It's like. There's like nine years of, of uh, running in that ditch, uh, pretending to be a, a knight or whatever. <laughs> and if you if you if you walk past there, you, it comes back to you. It's, it's so weird. So when I see your videos on Instagram of those beautiful, peaceful morning walks, is, is that what you're referring to? Yep. Yeah, that's there. Looks very nice. Is that yeah. why you actually went for a dip in the ice as well? recently no not that, yeah well it's on gotland also uh but it's uh 10 kilometers away from there 
closest uh, closest lake, so to speak. Um, Do you remember when uh, you first? Uh, what was the music that basically? Did your parents play any music at home? Were you influenced in any way, music-wise, from from family in any way? Yeah, I, I was uh, influenced uh, mainly by my my two uncles. Uh, because they were they were deep deep into 70s and 80s uh, hard rock so that's uh, uh, they live uh, in Smallland and we we always went there when I was a kid you know, a few times a year and so that's that's where where it started and I, I used to bring you know, a pack of tapes that were you know, empty tapes cassette tapes and then just recorded all the new albums they had bought on there but this uh, this started when I was five or something like that. Wow. So, uh, so that's that's where that's from. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember any of the artists that really like you? You you listen to that to the music and you're like, whoa. Any memories? Yeah, uh, ACDC was one of the first, uh, definitely first ones, actually. Got my own first ACDC vinyl when I was five. Seriously? Uh, Do you still yeah. have it? I still have it. Still oh, that's have awesome. It. It's in there. Amazing. Amazing. So I, uh, there's uh, drawings on it from when I was a child. Uh, for those about to rock, that, uh, it's canon. I added some uh, you know, effects. Boom. boom. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that I ruined it. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's a good memory that's a gem <laughs> and obviously a very precious record it definitely it definitely influenced you and um it's yeah. old records like that you know that they accrue value these days you know i know that you they like buying records and you just uh started recently purchasing records again and things yeah. like that i mean i love doing it it's just it's just so expensive isn't it yeah <sighs> so so it's a very very bad habit <laughs> it is a very ha bad habit exactly especially if you have ebay on your phone <laughs> yeah um and then so uh, your your uncles basically you know gave you a good um well good taste of what good music basically uh all about yeah. and yeah. when when music as you know when the instrument came into your life, was it the, was it the guitar straight away? Did you dabble with anything else? Well, I, um, because one of my uncles, he he uh, played guitar. He still plays guitar, uh, so that's that's why I wanted to start playing guitar. But there was also for a while I I wanted to play drums because that's of course always the coolest and most fun, you know, just hitting things. But there was a, there was a no, my parents, and then for some reason I wanted to play the piano, uh, but there was also a no because it's you know too too huge, too expensive to buy back then. Then uh, you know getting an acoustic guitar that's easy and cheap, so that's that's where I that's where I, when I started. Who got you your first acoustic guitar? Uh, my parents. eight or nine or something like that did you go take lessons then or what happened yes yeah, when i was nine i started in one of these uh you know, programs that you have in, in school where you, you can you can play any any instrument you want uh you get a lesson every week after after school from uh, whoever you know whoever teacher it is we had this uh, old woman uh, that taught us really basic stuff, you know, these kids' songs. Mm -hmm. That was uh, it was fun for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> then it wasn't anymore. <laughs> uh, I actually almost I, I lost interest uh, completely when I was uh, thirteen, I think, and almost. Um, and then she announced that she was going to quit and that there was uh, another uh, young guy that was going to start teaching us instead. 
and that guy, uh, you know, he had incredible skills and played and hail and stuff and all these cool things. That's like, whoa. Pandora's okay. box just that opened. sparked my interest again, big time, which was good. <laughs> so, and what age were you then? How, 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 how many years did you spend with the acoustic before you got an interest on an electric guitar or got to know what an electric guitar is for the matter? I think I, I think I got my first electric guitar when I was 14, probably. Oh, wow. I had acoustic until then. I, well, I, I learned some um, uh, ACDC basic riffs on that acoustic thing. So that was... And when you got your first guitar, when you were at the age of 14, were you living at your parents' still, I presume? Yeah. And then yeah. did you have an amp? Were you okay with the noises yeah. that you were creating? A, a small amp. A small amp. Yeah, I'm thinking it wasn't that noisy. <laughs> and at- there were there were complaints about uh, uh, doing homework or not doing homework. You know? mm-hmm. Do homework, otherwise we're gonna lock that guitar away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in school, were, were you like your? your friends that you had in school were they listening to kind of like the same stuff that you were would you be like exchanging information and talking about music in general yes some of them um i had one really close friend who started playing the bass uh, also around 14 or something like that and we got we got into iron maiden at the same time we got really into Iron Maiden, so we started playing, not only playing Iron Maiden whenever we met at his house or mine. Um, so that was great. Then we found a drummer, and then we started an Iron Maiden cover band with only one guitarist and no vocals. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Did that yeah. ever? Did that ever change? Did you ever manage to find somebody to mine Bruce Dickinson? No, no, we we. We kept it instrumental. We played some Megadeth, Megadeth stuff too. Mainly it was uh, Iron Maiden. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. It was fun. And um, when did you? So from having like this covers band and just playing, you know, like the so-called garage band that we all go, you know, initially on our musical endeavors when we were kids. Um, when did you actually have uh, your first band that kind of like started gigging and maybe uh, start writing songs and you know when when did that happen to you? Mm, maybe around 16, 17. Um, uh, my parents they live 50 kilometers away from the capital, Gotland, uh, the only city, so to speak. And uh, when I got was sixteen, I noticed uh, started living in Visby weekdays because I had to go to school there. So that's when I met some some other guys who uh, knocked at my door one day. It was friends of a friend of mine, and asked if I wanted to join their band. That was uh, so then, then that was the first time you know, I started playing in a real band, uh, playing original stuff. And uh, we didn't have that many gigs, but at least one, I think. <laughs> I don't remember. Or two. Yeah, but yeah. So it started then, I think. Do you remember, um, like, uh, in the 90s when the whole, like, uh, scene with In Flames and those heavier bands started to kind of come out of... of uh, that was, I think, it was, it was more Gothenburg, right? Then Stockholm. Yeah. Was well, I remember it. You know, I wasn't that close to to my sphere, so to speak. But because uh, I was more into uh, Pantera and, and uh, Meshuggah and stuff like that. Uh, but I heard friends talking about those bands. But then, yeah, never got that close. I never, probably never even listened to it. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so when you finished then high school, 
did you go to university and at that point you did nope so what did you do you finished the school and then what was the plan if there, if there was a plan i finished the school and then there was no plan uh i, I had your parents must have loved that yeah they uh <laughs> they, they weren't too happy about it uh no no plan the only thing i kn knew was that i liked uh you know my my life around or my hobby with that was music or whatever it was or the lifestyle or uh, and i was basically just trying to figure out what the hell i wanted to do with my life um, i was I, I played a lot and uh and i was unemployed and had no money that was that was it for a long long time and then yeah and then there were these uh, different sorts of unemployment uh, types of, of things where uh, uh, one was actually a government funded basically you could do whatever you wanted you were, uh, and and the uh, and they funded it so there was no, four other friends of mine, also unemployed musicians. So we decided, okay, but so what? So basically, we could say that we wanted to rehearse every day, uh, eight eight times, you know, eight hours per day, five days a week. Yeah, 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 sure. Just wow. to write down a project description, and so we did, and then, and then that was something for a year. We. Uh, and we, we learned a lot of cover songs, but really, really difficult stuff, like uh, some Dream Theater stuff, Rotomania, uh, everything, all of it was instrumental also. So it was a challenge. It was fun. But that's fantastic that you had an opportunity to literally just play music for an entire year and, and yeah. fund by the government. I mean, yeah. Do you yeah. think that that it still exists? Nowadays? No, I don't think so. I no? think there was one, I think there was an experiment. Well, no, oh. it worked for you. No, it was legal. It was <laughs> That's what our, our drummer said in an <laughs> interview. Oh, this is great, and it's also legal. <laughs> it's even legal. What yeah. happened to the other three friends of yours that you were playing with? Did they pursue the career, professional career in music, or did they change courses? Uh, two of them, I'm not sure about because we are not in touch anymore. I don't think so. Um, uh, two of the others still play a lot, but they they uh, they do other things. Their profession isn't in music. So to speak yeah but if you if i mean like the government funded you guys and out of that you became a professional musician a yeah. successful professional musician and that's that's something you know um that should be encouraged everywhere really i mean yeah. it's really difficult when you finish high school and you have to make at the age of 18 a decision to go to university so you have to pick up a course and you let's face it i mean how many people at the age of 18 really know what they want in life? And even if they no. know, no. they will probably down, unless if it's, they will probably change, you know, by the age of 30 and then more, more, uh, more when they are 40 and onwards. It's different when it's music or, or a sport that you're really passionate about very early on. Because people yeah. that are very passionate about music, like yourself, you tend to carry on with that. You know, even if you haven't uh, achieved the things that you achieved in your professional career, you probably would still be playing guitar, you know, oh, yeah. and teaching and doing something of it, you know. So, um, and I think that creates a lot of um, good positives for the individual and, and for society in general to have more fulfilled people. In general. Yeah, 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 I think you're right. Definitely. And... When, 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 uh, so after this project, this year together, then, uh, what, what happened? What was next? What was next for you? Next was that, uh, I, I, uh, got an internship in a, a studio there. Uh, it's a really, 
<clears throat> was already then a really well-known studio that a lot of you know, big Swedish artists had, had been. So I, I started there and then eventually I got uh, employed there, that studio. And uh, then I uh, quit there and started doing uh, that uh, kind of work as a freelance kind of thing. So that's that started my uh, studio engineer, producer kind of thing. So, so I was still playing music, but now I was mainly on the other side of the, the glass, the studio, so to speak, recording other others, which was great too. That's that's another. I guess that's my two main hobbies in life: playing guitar and and uh, you know working with music like that, producing and mixing and stuff like that. I mean, it's incredible that you can that you can call uh, what pays the bills a hobby, right? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are my two hobbies in life. They yeah. just happen to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to call it work today for some reason, because then it sounds negative. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and when when did the the Weaving Temptation gig came along? How did that happen? It also has to do with that island, and that uh, had to do with uh, uh, another friend of mine, which was, uh, we played in another band together for a while. We were, oh yeah, forgot to tell you that. That's actually, we, were, we had this pretty serious band that actually landed a record deal. Okay. Which was a huge thing, because that was one of my main goals in life, to get a record deal, you know. But I never thought about, you know, just signing that deal. It gets you nowhere. Then you, you know, have to. But you think it. at the time that your life is sorted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I thought so. Record then, deal. I landed. Yeah, the, day, the day when I got home from uh, from Stockholm, when I, when I signed it, it's like, wait, now what? Everything seems to be the same. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Anyways, that didn't go anywhere. But but that friend of mine, Daniel Daniel Gibson, he's uh, he's a producer in since uh, two thousand four. He he was pursuing songwriting career, and uh, it had taken him taken him to the Netherlands or Holland or whatever we call it. And uh, he was uh, somehow put in touch with uh, Robert Sharon there. They, writing a bit together and then they wanted him to produce uh, the silent force uh, which was uh, released back then and then he he wanted me to come there to uh, to co-produce it with him and engineer it um, because he felt a little bit that this was uh, too big of a project for him himself we didn't mention that to them, of course. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so we, we, we did that together, and that's when I got in touch with, with them. Uh, since then, we did uh, every album. Uh, are, you still in, are you still involved, or were you still involved uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the producer capacity on any level on the, on, on the following albums? Uh, and uh, if so, which ones? And are you still somehow nowadays involved uh, in terms of productions, or, or do you guys tend to work with a designated producer and uh, in a separate way? Do you have any input in that sense? Now, since since um, since I think Hydra, whenever that was released, two thousand fifteen, sure. Then we uh, before that one, I would. No, I would uh, be in charge of recording the drums and and uh, guitars mainly that that stuff. Uh, but from that album, uh, I started doing only guitars. So I was in charge of uh, getting a finished pack of guitars to Daniel, so it could be sent to mix. Who's Daniel? Uh, Daniel is uh, the producer, uh, my my friend from 
belt. Okay, so he's he's in charge of producing and, and mixing it's, it's, as well. No, mixing has always been other other blokes. Uh, so that's been done elsewhere, but uh, nowadays it's it's the same. I'm I'm uh, in charge of, of guitars. Wow, that's really cool. So you, so the sound, the guitar sound of the Weaving Temptation albums, since you you've joined them, which was what year was it? Silent. What year was that? Silent Force, two thousand four. Uh, that's when I started doing that part. So basically, I, for almost twenty years, the band's uh, guitar sound. Bang, yeah. Well, prior to that, you would be involved, like you said, drums and everything else. But but guitars, definitely, your involvement is is, is huge yeah. on the band sound. Yeah, yeah, uh, Now, lately, since I don't know, since the pandemic, then uh, of course we we just started recording everything, sending stuff to each other. We actually did that. Uh, um, I'm forgiving in Hydra too a little bit. It was way more difficult, then. but now you know, tried you know one song recorded with just plugins and. For next song, decided didn't like that. Try something else. Uh, but now also, when I s send it to Daniel, then they they add some plugins to it, you know, some amp simulators and blend it together. So in the end, I, I, I have no idea if they use my sound or not. So. <laughs> how, do, how does it work when it comes to say uh, like songwriting do you normally get like an idea of a song and then you basically add guitars and layers of guitars and then it's a back and forth between you and the rest of the band and how, how does uh give me an example of how a song might might come together no yeah no song songwriting is uh pretty much you know done and kind of finished with the with robert and the uh, sharon there uh, and daniel where they send stuff to, to uh, back and forth and uh, all the guitar riffs and stuff uh, are written and and uh, performed on a keyboard with a guitar plugin since uh, since i don't know how many years back which so that's what i get uh, and then i have to try to translate that to an actual playable version on my guitar, which sometimes, you know, it's just straightforward and simple, it's not nothing, but sometimes, you know, if you, you have this band on the keyboard, trying to do that on guitar, and it also becomes lower and lower, so now the eight string guitars, they're starting to not be enough, enough anymore, because they don't go low enough. So it's just a... <laughs> Yeah. No. So that's that's uh, that's it. So sometimes uh, I feel like changing something a little bit, and then I send it to Daniel, checks it fits or not, or if he likes it or not, and then then just record and uh, get Rube to get to, uh, record his parts, and then he send it send, send it back to me. And, yeah. Do you yourself as a guitarist? Do you um lack or miss the technology is obviously extremely like you said i mean it's so versatile i mean there's very i mean it's a huge uh, 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 thing nowadays in musical production because first of all it's dynamic it's versatile the quality is undeniable i mean how many people can actually listen to a record and say oh this guitar was recorded with a soldano amp and this one is actually a soldano a plug-in not many yeah. people and even musicians and professionals will have difficulty to tell what's what uh yeah. but you're you yourself as like a musician as a guitarist is it something that you know you you, you miss it like say going in a studio and trying different mics and mic this amp with this cab and trying different sounds and things like that is it something that you miss um or not yes personally i miss it i'm i'm uh really really picky and sensitive when it comes to uh, guitar sounds sound in general but also how it feels to play uh, with it that's something that many of the plugins just 
it's, it's lacking something when you play that you get from an amp. Uh, no, you don't get anything back. So it's, it's less fun to, to play. Right? But that's how I feel about it. I know several people that I've, eh? <laughs> don't care about that. I don't. I don't. I don't feel that. I think it's great. Because you started your career, like you said, working in the studio, and I believe that back then, yeah. uh, you probably, you probably not, you were actually miking amps and caps because there was no technology in, in on the level that we know nowadays and have nowadays. Yeah. Um, so you obviously have experience with that. So you, so you, you understand about creating yeah. and getting a good guitar sound, if needs yeah. be, from yeah. the actual equipment, right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and it's, it's, of course, it's fun because uh, it requires a high level of nerd, nerdery. <laughs> <laughs> and, and being a nerd is it's, uh, it's great and fun. <laughs> On whatever, whatever subject you choose. <laughs> have, you, but, yeah. have you tried uh, the, the neural DSP? Yeah, yeah. I have. And uh, neural DSP is uh, definitely they're really great, and it seems like every new plugin that they release is just getting better and better and closer and closer. Um, I'm waiting to get my hands on the latest one now, because from the, uh, the stuff I've heard online, small sound clips, it's like, oh, okay, hmm. sounds like. Maybe they have uh, managed to get rid of that last little level of uh, digital feel in it. That, uh, and of course, we use their uh, quad cortex. Uh, I don't know if you know it, floor modeling uh, device that they, they have. It's a, it's a really outstanding tool and it sounds amazing. So that's, I mean, it's. It it goes so fast now the uh, the technology so yeah yeah it soon it... gonna be indistinguishable I think yeah for sure and it makes it just so much easier for for any operation because yeah. I mean traveling with cabs and guitar head things like that is just something that I guess it's kind of like most of the physical things that we used to give so much value to nowadays it's kind of like less and less because yeah. it's so easy to travel you know you can put that all of that here in one single luggage and go all over yeah. the world play an arena play a stadium and just have yeah. that that sound yeah um do you think that there is um like for example not using the guitar heads not using the guitar amps just using um the so the quad cortex and the neuro dsp but having at least guitar cabinets to capture the sound of it on stage live. Do you think that that would still be a thing or, or does it, would it make a difference to, to, to having that? Or do you think it's just something that definitely get rid of the cab, get rid of you know the head and let's just go straight lines and PA and in-ears. Do you think that's, that's definitely the future? That's definitely where everything headed for? I mean, that's, that's what we do already. Uh, I think most bands are doing that already. No cabs, just you know, straight to the, to the desk from the from the line output, or straight into my in ears, or you know, and that really works. Um, really works great. Of course, what what you can miss is is getting the uh, you know the actual sound of of the amp. In your back, you know, feeling the physical, the amp. Uh -huh. yeah, exactly, which is of course more fun. But uh, but yeah, then you have to stand there mm -hmm. all the all the gig. That's also not fun. <laughs> Do you <Run> remember <laughs> exactly? And you've been doing yeah. that a lot. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Do you remember your debut on stage with the band with with In Temptation? Were you, were you nervous? Was it a big show? Well, I was nervous. I was extremely nervous. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I think I had 
maybe before that I had played maximum 200 people. That was the biggest, biggest show I, I, I had ever done. And so this was uh, in Holland, Her Hugo Bard, I think. I don't remember exactly, I think so. 2011, uh, two and a half thousand people, maybe. Yeah, but I was really, really, really nervous. And one of my biggest memories from that night is you now standing, I was looking down and I could see this girl crying. And I, I could see uh, the boyfriend hugging her and looking at me like, it's your fault. <laughs> that's how I interpreted it. Because, of course, there was, a, there was this little sense of, of grief in, in, the, uh, in, in the whole audience. Because, of course, Robert wasn't there anymore. And it was a big part of it. So, yeah. I understand. Yeah, I could I could sense that. <laughs> and um, yeah, do you, do you when was um, do you remember like the first like uh, big tours that you did? There's like any particular ones that uh, during the last say twelve years of performing live with the band that you we're gonna leave last year separate to talk later. But like before uh, COVID, you know what was <laughs> is that any remarkable ones any anyone that you actually oh my god this is my hero and i'm getting to meet this person if they remember mm -hmm. uh, yeah definitely there are probably more because uh, i tend to forget them but the first one that pops into my head is i think it was one of the first festivals that i ever did uh, and we were playing in in spain and metallica was headlining and it was Slayer there, and uh, I remember, you know, getting to the backstage, just walking around, like, oh, hell. And I, me and Mike looked at each other, like, man, congrats. You know, we both said, and then we hugged each other, like, we made it. And then, uh, you know, seeing seeing Slayer jump out of the band, like, and then we were we were in the uh, no in the dressing room area, which half of it was for, for Metallica, and half of it was for all the other bands. And they had their rehearsal spot there, so you, you could hear when they, they they did the warm up before the gig. And I remember uh, James Hetfield stand, standing in in the hallway, uh, three meters away from me. I was standing outside of my dressing room. And he looked at me. I was like, "Oh, James Hetfield looked at me." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic feeling, right? Fantastic yeah, feeling. It's weird. And then, well, it was yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, it's incredible when you when you get to do things that you know. At one point in life, oh, no. completely... oh, it's the connection. The connection. Now, hello, hello, hello. hey. It's amazing when you get like to connect with uh, someone on that level and just literally have this uh, feeling of, I mean, wow. I mean, this person was so out of my reach for so yeah. long, and now. Here it is, and we are actually playing the same festival, same, you know, it's really, really incredible. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, last year, it was a big, big year for the band, right? Like, mm -hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, what started in the summer and then eventually led to an American tour with Iron Maiden. Yes. The European tour, I think the biggest tour that uh, the band we've been patient you guys have ever done in Europe, right? Yeah. Definitely. But say something, you're out of sync. My camera seems to be frozen. Yeah. Why? This is this is scary. <laughs> well, I, I see I see the movements and I, I hear you, but it's not in sync. Oh, huh, that's weird. 
That's yeah. weird. I can add out there. And my camera for some reason stopped. Let me just turn off. Back. I'm back. Ah, no yeah. difference. No difference. No. No, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, no, it's good. Great. Okay. Great. Cool. So All right. yeah, so what about last year when you yeah. know it was a big year on the band career yeah. for the band and uh, obviously uh, doing an American tour with Iron Maiden and then a huge arena tour in yeah. in Europe with Vanessens. Um tell us a little bit about, you know, the experience and you know, any highlights that you might remember and sharing the stage with like what I know being, you know, the band that basically made you crazy about playing guitar and being in a band which is Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really, really great year. Uh, first of all it's you know just Starting to play again after after the pandemic was just felt so amazing and and uh, could really feel that we all we all had that feeling we were all really happy to be able to play again and, and hang with each other stuff like that and also you could tell that the audience had missed live shows as well a lot so it was a great start with the the festival summer and everything just so much fun it's like yeah i can do this again yes and did then you, we had you haven't course. played you haven't played since 2019 since before COVID, right like yep exactly 2019 and and uh, if i am correct yeah because 2020 we were just gonna start the evanescence tour when uh when everything closed down Pretty much. Yeah, the Evanescence tour was like. Uh, I think it was moved time. five times or something like that, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. For an arena tour, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, then we had so then and then we had the uh, the first uh, first gig with Iron Maiden, in the summer, which was in Poland. And that was a surreal. It's a real uh, moment for me. I remember had problems sleeping the night before, just like waking up. Like, I'm gonna fuck everything up. I'm gonna fuck everything up. It's not gonna work. And then I had to like tell myself that, but wait a minute, you're not gonna you're not gonna join Iron Maiden. You're not gonna play. It's like you you've done this before. We have played a lot a lot of time. Yeah, and then you know, just getting there was there was so much walking around. Wow, look, it says Nico McBrain there on that, that box. Wow. And then the best part, of course, was uh, doing the gig. Uh, Poland is always so outstanding. The audience they're just so into it. So it was uh, an arena full of uh, you know, insane people which is how you want to have it when you play. And also, I looked at my right, and I saw Steve Harris standing there behind, behind some stuff, looking, peeking up, looking at our show. It's like, what? Oh, no. what? Is he looking? Oh, no. I have to get my stuff together, you know? Shit together. But then it turned to being... Because uh, then he, he started looking, watching almost all the shows. So then when he wasn't there, that's when you got worried. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Oh no. He thinks, thinks we suck now. Oh, what did I do wrong? I <laughs> <laughs> can't play. I can't play if he's not there. <laughs> yeah, no, but that was, that was great. Then we had two more of those uh, shows. Or the festival season was over in uh, Spain and in Portugal. And then we had pretty much a month off, and then then we went in October to the tour that you was on, that you were on. Thirteen gigs with Iron Maiden. How about that? 
<laughs> it was not bad at all, was it? Okay. It was okay. No, that was great. It was that was really it was just a, such a positive tour, you know. Still miss still miss it. All those those show days were the best when you just got into the venue, you had your lunch at that fantastic catering, just were there and just got the vibe place and then started hearing the uh, Iron Maiden live tracks playing back from the from the sound check that they do. It was were, incredible. Yeah. I have a feeling that we could do that for like a few months on end, right? Yeah, yeah that would be good. <laughs> Let's, do Let's do it again. Life has no meaning now. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a very very special moment. I mean, yeah. obviously for the band, such a great opportunity. But I guess for everyone involved, I mean, you know, especially you yourself and and Rude and I mean, I myself, the big made fan. And obviously, when you start like such an important uh, uh, gig like that. You never really know what to expect. You just want you no. just know that you want to go do your job well and that's yeah. it. So you never go with like much expectation. You 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 never think that Steve Harris might invite you to go for a drink in Manhattan and spend no. 6 hours with you drinking beers, you know. <laughs> no. no. that's that's true. So, yeah, so so I mean it it was really yeah, I, I had I have fond memories of that. It was just like I don't know the camaraderie, the friendship, the the, the shows, the great and and obviously we've in Temptation put on this amazing show with lights and big sound and it was just like it was just a full full package, wasn't it? it was just great. And I finished the show and then go watch Iron Maiden. Yeah, that was great. And the shows were the shows were really fun because. Uh... No, playing in front of a huge audience that has no idea who you are, that, that's a different thing. So that was, that was fun uh, and challenging uh, in a way. So we really, really had to you know, give it our full 30% or whatever. That's what Rude always says. <laughs> give it my full 30%. <laughs> yeah. No, but that was, that was so much fun. And, and the, for the Biggest part of it, I think, uh, we went down, went down really well with, with the maiden audience. Yeah, was... it was quite impressive because maiden audiences they tend to be quite, quite picky. They have a they have a very long history of being, not being extremely supportive to support bands or special guests or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I was like, blown away by how, how well the the reception was to the band really impressive yeah it was cool and then obviously cool. the the big and then, and then we went home for uh i went home for a few days two days <laughs> yeah three three or four went to uh belgium or wherever i think to uh do some rehearsals then back for a few more days and then Dove straight into the uh, tour with Evanescence, which was was also a great tour. You know, it was really great. And then we fun thing was also that we were playing kind of the same size venues, almost like we did in the states with the uh, Iron Maiden tour. It was it was good to have that uh, kind of little boot camp or warm up or whatever you want to call it in the States and then get used to it do this. Um yeah it was it was really fun. Oh, great guys. They have an essence an essence people. Yeah. Fun time with Did you find um do you find you still find difficulty on finishing like being on the road for a long period of time, then readjust to say a normal life, going back home, 
because I know you have kids, you have family, and do you, do you find, uh, are you, after all of those years of doing this, this, this line of work of playing music and traveling, coming back home, do you still need like uh, a few days to readjust or are you able to kind of like second day already like okay this is men this is my mentality now this is home and i have to do this and that how does it work for you no no it's it's really difficult especially this time because uh, it had been so intense for such a long time and then stop you know complete full on stop and then you know, then you go home to uh, it's quiet and and uh, and in, instead of having a lot of people around you twenty four seven, there's uh, it's the opposite, you know. So so that's that's really weird. And you, it's like, I'm gonna oh yeah, I need to go do some grocery shopping. Oh yeah, that's what I need to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's that work again. Oh yeah, it's over there. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Now it, it 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 takes it took some time to to get back definitely. Uh, it's a good thing uh, to have kids because that uh, it forces you to to get back into real life, so to speak, into reality a lot quicker than I guess it would take longer without them definitely. Yeah. You, you have either you have to take care of them you have to you, know, you don't. Don't care about me being. Um, they don't care about me finding it difficult to adjust now. Do you? Is there anything in particular that you that you try to do, like when you go back, try to readjust quicker? Is there any uh, routine you try to set for yourself, or is it pretty much like the kids dictate now the routine, just kind of like rolls with it? You know, just try try to unpack, try to uh, get settled in again, try to do some workouts, stuff like that, and and then the rest of the kids take take care of. You know. But I, I don't have them full time, so then then you have the days uh, we don't have them. to do now with my life just <laughs> <laughs> call someone meet someone go for a thing yes that's what i should do yeah. <laughs> no but i get it it helps to to uh to have some plans too and, and uh maybe decide that okay i'm gonna have a time off but i'm gonna start working at this time or or start with whatever projects I feel like doing if it's you know re rebuilding a part of my studio or whatever you know, something that you have thought of doing but haven't been able to do because you've been away on tour but you know, focus on those things do you do you take some time off from from playing guitar like personally like on purpose like do you go back and say okay i'm just gonna you know this week i'm just gonna take it easy and try to adjust for the things or, or or you don't do that or or you don't even think about it it's just leave the guitar then and might be picking up and playing a little bit here and there is there anything like that you uh on purpose on they do it on purpose like okay i need five days off from playing guitar for example kind of or something they don't really think about it. no it kind of just happens to uh, know that that I just don't maybe play for a few days or or a week. If if it was a conscious thing, then it would be the other way around. Because then I because I want to play, but just like maybe I just forget about it because there's other things to do. But then also I I, uh, I learned to not feel bad about it because that's something I would do if I had decided that okay, I'm gonna play every day and I didn't play for three days all of a sudden and I would feel bad about it you suck stupid, stupid idiot <laughs> <laughs> but I don't do that anymore so yeah it's okay 
do you try to follow um, any kind of routine on your days? Do you tend to go at a, at a similar time to bed every day and wake up at a similar time every day, or or that fluctuates depending on what's happening around? Yes, <laughs> both. So, uh, also, I find it that I'm, I'm constantly trying to maybe change the routine routines a little bit so that it would fit with uh, the time off kids and the time with kids stuff like that but uh but yeah but, but definitely i'm trying to have a keep a routine that i you know, usually usually i have to wake up around seven when i have the kids and I, when i don't have them i because then you're used to it so if if i'm able to sleep till eight then then and I have long sleeping, so that's that's nice. But I try to get get up around the same time there and uh, you know, eat the same kind of breakfast. And I decided to go go work as soon as I can in in the mornings for half a day, and then I go home and uh, maybe take a long walk or or go do some working out at the gym or stuff like that and then i work more but at home so that's a, it's a good mix good way to do it do you what time do you normally uh, tend to go to bed later than i decided to <laughs> but uh um i think around 11 i think but that's really good i mean most musicians have a very very difficult time going to bed at around that time, a little bit early, and waking up at where you said eight o'clock in the morning. A lot of people that I know have a lot of difficulty, be that being on the road or not. They just, you know, get into the night and then sleep too late, and you know, um, and and even though I understand that, it's obviously not a natural thing for us humans to do. You know, we do have something called circadian rhythm within ourselves. We should technically speaking be waking up when the sun rises. Oh, yeah, wind yeah. down when the sun is going down but then yeah. again um in sweden during the winter that would mean like getting out of bed at fucking 10 and going to bed at three right yeah <laughs> sounds perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah but also i i really think it depends on if you have kids or if you don't have kids because uh first of all something happens with your brain uh in the, in the first year of that child because that's a terrible terrible time for any adult sleep wise so i don't know who said it someone said that kids steal your sleep and you never get it back like, yeah. but then also for some reason then you start waking up early and then somehow that's in your system and of course of course i sleep a lot later when i'm on tour because it changes and you get better later and later and later but it's still it's like it's a normal time for me to wake up around seven or eight so that's it's usually when it happens do i'm you, annoyed about though hmm. you decided that oh tomorrow i don't have anything to do i sleep in wake up 6 30. <laughs> yeah it happens <laughs> i know um, do you how do you deal with um, like social media and procrastination? Do you find yourself like I don't know when you're at home or even maybe uh, I don't know if you only work in music when you go to to your studio or if you do work from home? Are you able to kind of like micromanage those instances of like not being too much on your phone or perhaps not watching too much uh, uh, um, Netflix or perhaps not playing too much PS Five? How how do you cope with those things? Are you able to within yourself observe and okay, you know what? I need to put this on the side and I need to actually get out of the house and do something. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty aware of those things because I've because I've practiced that a lot because it's because it's been something that's been bothering me. You know the uh, that all of a sudden you're stuck and just sit there time flies uh, because that's that's how it's built to work with those apps 
Um, so, so I def definitely have that. But uh, as for the PS5, that has now, I have decided that I can play as much PS5 as I want because I'm an adult. Great. <laughs> yeah, but I, but also I don't, I don't feel like I have time to do that all the time. It's, it also sucks. It's the other, <laughs> other part of the adult responsible one in me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Stefan. No, no gaming tonight. Oh. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Is that me time that is so necessary? Just open a beer, play some video game, watch some, just unwind. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I suppose that you know we try to put a lot of pressure on ourselves and if it's a good thing to pressure ourselves we're always striving to become better professionals better fathers case better people that's hopefully yeah. the case for most people trying to become better but also i think it's important to understand that say if you go for three months in a row four months in a row on the road there's nothing wrong on being now working on other projects at home and if you have like an afternoon on your hands and you decide that I'm going to spend playing video games or listening to music, just because the rest of the world is not doing the same, doesn't mean that that, that doesn't make you uh, a, a, a better or worse person. It just makes you, makes your life circumstances. Yeah. I, yeah. Find, I find difficult to adjust to that sometimes as well. Because sometimes, like, you know, you're like all the time at home doing things at home. And most people are getting up and taking a bus and going to office. Doing yeah. this and doing that so and that's how society was built and we have those things kind of you know ingrained in the back of our mind and brain so there's something in us that doesn't allow us to oh i'm just gonna play video game this morning it's fine you know so uh i think it's a th th there oh, must be a healthy balance you know on yeah yeah well, i wouldn't be able to do that that's uh because then i would feel really bad so i wouldn't <laughs> be able to enjoy it annoying playing video game in the morning yeah 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 I, unless I if you're on a tour bus arriving to the venue sorry unless if you're on a tour bus about to oh, yeah. get on a venue then you can yeah, play a little bit yeah yeah because <laughs> then you because then you're basically just kind of a spoiled brat <laughs> <laughs> Stefan, yeah which isn't true um it's the fun it's been great talking to you, my friends. I'm gonna start um, winding down here. So I have some roller questions, some roller coaster questions. So um, I guess the first one you kind of already answered. If you have or follow any morning routines, rituals, something that you try to do it every morning. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I uh, I'm making myself a nice smoothie. It's not because of you. A little bit, maybe. Okay. Uh, so, so that's nice. Smoothie and 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 some tea and then some coffee. That's got my, it. I got my heart hurt now. It's not because <laughs> of you. Let me make that very clear. Maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it's a but, good but habit. It, but it is also a bit. It's it it's a good yeah. habit. It's a good yeah. habit. Um. What is your spiritual practice, if any at all? Do you have any beliefs? Practice anything? Anything in in connection to the ethereal world? No, I don't do that. Um, beliefs, not at the moment. You know, something has been going like this. Certain times, uh, I feel like I'm more. Uh, interested or into the spiritual realm or so to speak or energies or whatever you want to call it there's something but uh what it is i don't know just call them energies fair enough um what's your view about money can't live with them. Can't live without them. <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, I guess that's difficult for everyone. Spend 
spend more than than, uh, than I want to. Say less than I decided to. So that's that's my view. What um, kind of food do you tend to go when you are looking for a treat? Anything in particular that you're like, oh, tonight I'm gonna treat myself. I really want to eat this. Yeah, burgers. Since fifty thousand years back. <laughs> yeah, burgers or lasagna. A really, really nice, well-made lasagna. That's better. Do you cook yourself lasagna? Do you make burgers at home yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't just go out on a restaurant or, or take away whenever sometimes you cook it at home. Oh, yeah? if, I, if I do, uh, then it's a burger. Or if I, you know, if, I, if, I'm not, if I'm not going to dinner with friends, but that doesn't happen now, then I might get some more fancy, fancy schmancy stuff. Uh, but for, uh, for a nice treat at home, burger or a lasagna. So, How often do you do that? Every second week, maybe like that. That's very reasonable and sensible. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, what are you reading at the moment? I'm I'm reading right now. I'm reading uh, Dave Grohl's uh, storytelling. Uh, I have this much left of it, or even less. I'm not sure. You enjoying it? Yeah, it's great. Really, really nice read. Read it if you haven't. Amazing, Stefan, my friend. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Today, thank you. Great chat. Great seeing you. And, see you uh, in. I'll see you in the summer. Are you some some point? Are you coming by? Oh, Sweden? but I'm gonna be actually there in Stockholm, exactly in April. Yes, I'll be there. I'll message send you. Me your, send I'll, me the date. So I'll I send you the date, and you can put it in your diary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Very good. Take it easy, brother. Catch you soon. Have Take a good care. Bye. Take care. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation, this podcast, as much as I did doing it. So, if that's the case, please do follow on Instagram at rollercoastercarl, myself at Carl Casagrande. On Twitter, same thing. Facebook, same thing. Uh, do subscribe. Do subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. That's very, very much appreciated. Thank you. And have a great, great day. Cheers. Bye-bye.